welcome to What's the Feeling? I am Lindsay. Hi, I'm Astra. And we are here to talk about stuff and teenagers and thoughts. Those overgrown toddlers that are living in your house rent-free right now and will sometimes wash the dishes, but most of the time they'll forget to do their part. Mm -hmm. Talking about those guys. Those ones. I just want to point out that I'm in the closet recording like I usually am. And Eshu's in the living room watching TV. And I guess he just bought a movie off of Amazon (laughs) to watch. And I only know it because it's my Amazon account. So I just got an email being like, your order for American Fighter on Amazon has been whatever. So I know exactly what he's doing. (laughs) That's funny. Completely irrelevant to Nah, it could be pretty relevant, actually. The person living in your house using your Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon account. <laughs> Not only is it rent-free, you also get to watch all the things. <laughs> That's funny. Remember um, growing up and you had to like watch shows with your family because that was the op- that was the opportunity to watch things. There was only one screen in the house, mm-hmm. and you had to only watch what your dad wanted to watch. I I grew up with like a really weird work with really weird work schedules and my mm. dad didn't watch that much TV. Plus, we didn't have cable. Got it. So I had two channels for the most part. Oh, I was a latchkey kid with all the cable. So, uh, yeah, it definitely was latchkey. Like I would come home. There would be times like my mom had a weird shift. Like she wouldn't come home till like 12 at night. Oh the wow! Post office. Yeah, she used to work at the post office. And my dad. I don't there was a t- there was a period of time where he wasn't there, and I don't know where he was, and I can't remember. <laughs> it wasn't like any family issues or anything, but he's maybe he was. Oh, maybe he was in Texas. There was a period of time where he was like in te- living in Texas for some business stuff for a little bit. Interesting. So we. I remember been- watching Power Rangers in daycare. So like after, like before school and after school daycare. When I was in elementary, they used to have us watch Power Rangers, which to me now seems very strange to have like after school programs or before school programs having you watch TV. But I think school programs have changed a little bit from just being like daycare oriented to mm-hmm. some extra learning. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I learned a lot from, from Power, Rangers. Power Rangers. Who was your favorite? Um, the pink one, Kimberly. Of course, right? Mine, mine was No, mine was Cheney. Trini, the yellow the, one, the Asian, the Asian one who was the fucking yellow ranger. I'm so sorry, Trini, that they did that to you. <laughs> but hell yeah, I love Trini. Did you see the remake, like the the real person Power Ranger? What the fuck does that Game. mean? Like it was, it's not the TV show. Like they used real people and did a Power Ranger movie. Like in the last three or four years. I don't, I don't know. The answer is, did you see it or not? And my guess is no, based no. on the fact that you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what I meant to say. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if I've seen it. Yes, you do. No, 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 that's not what I meant. I meant like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I think what I was trying to say is I still don't know what that means to have a real person Power Ranger. Like, I don't I don't even know what the hell that means. Oh, it's a Power Ranger movie. Oh, <laughs> so you meant you're Sorry. trying to say like live action. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But then I also remembered that the TV show had real people in it too. Yeah, so what is this bitch talking about? And I and I know that I can remember that they're real people because my favorite murder did an episode on them. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because one of the guys killed somebody. 
mm-hmm. with the Red Ranger or something. Probably. He was Not the original Red Ranger. The second Red Ranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how was your, um, how's your long weekend going? As pe- uh, people should know that it is May 30th. It is well, May 30th. What? <clears throat> what? You know what? We, we, we said that we would do this more, but we're not. I'm a counselor. <laughs> My training and background is in counseling. Oh, yeah. We have to remind people that we like someone over doing. Um, I am a clinical social worker. There That's what go. I wanted. I'm a clinical social worker. and work That sounds schools. real believable. <laughs> made up that job. <laughs> been worked in schools for about a decade and i will be working as a school social worker next year in a middle school cool i didn't know you were going back to middle school have we not talked about my job for next year we talked a little bit and we didn't talk about grade level oh that's weird because that's kind of one of the biggest selling points so that it's back in middle school it's actually fourth through eighth grade whoa which is a weird age group. No, but that's so good because this is, I feel like sixth grade is too late. Like sixth grade is too late for like these academic bullshit tracks that they put students on, you know, Mm -hmm. like for, if I wanted my kid to start with geometry freshman year of high school, like you need to go back all the way to fourth grade and figure out, Oh my God, hold on. We've got kids here today. Hold on. (laughs) But yeah, so it's fourth through eighth, which is very interesting to me because I've never worked with children that young before yeah so i like have to do research on elementary school kids definitely well full fourth and fifth so like does the school provide i'm curious now like support k through three it's a different school k through three is a different school my school is only four through eight that's so interesting i didn't know they were doing that now i've never heard of it so but i'm intrigued it's a pretty small school. I say this like I'm guaranteed this spot, but I feel like the three schools that they are like the three schools that this district had open were like two elementary and then this one. And I was a very upfront with like, I want to work with middle schoolers. So hopefully they're putting me at that school and not some elementary school because then we're going to have a real issue. Mm. I don't even think those like elementary can elementary school kids like can they even talk? <laughs> Actually, I was talking to Alyssa because she's a second grade teacher and her school does a lot of social emotional learning. And so she was talking about some of the things that they do as social emotional learning for second graders. And it was similar to things that we talk about for high schoolers. And I thought that was amazing. Esther, what are you sharing with me today? (laughs) Ah, okay. Um, I just realized I didn't give her a different name. (laughs) Give me like a Latina name. We haven't used a Latina name. Monica. Monica. <laughs> We're going to go with Monica because I have been trying to watch the the Friends reunion and can't figure it out. <laughs> Why can't you figure it out? I don't know. Like apparently it's only available on HBO something something. Oh, okay. GameStop? Nope, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't figure it out. Anyway, I'm like, why can't I just pay $15 and watch it? But yeah, it's not available. Okay. All right. So today I'm going to share with y'all Monica. And we have not actually talked about bipolar disorder. And so we're going to talk about a student today who was diagnosed with BPD and how it's being managed. Well, how old is she? So 
wow okay getting there <laughs> but being like being diagnosed with bipolar at a young age is not super common so mm-hmm. yeah so she is yeah usually it's like what mid, early 20s yeah um so she when i met her she was a ninth grader um but she was diagnosed last year so when she was a sophomore okay um so she comes from a very loving family um so because sometimes what happens is parents are really resistant to diagnoses and like wanting to learn more, et cetera. But um, she was, um, she came from a family that was very open to all of this stuff. Um, So uh, has an older sister, older sister, successful, went to college, graduated, all that jazz. Um, However, Monica is undocumented. And this will come up a lot um, in my work with her. Um, another issue is that she does come from a low income family, which, of course, then means that resources are limited. Time is limited, yeah. um, which is um, very difficult when you've got um, a student who just needs support. <laughs> Um, so Monica is an overachiever. Um, she first semester of her ninth grade year, uh, really great grades. And then as she shares it, and I don't know, something happened second semester where I just lost the gas. I just didn't have energy. Um, and I stopped caring about school and I didn't want to um, try anymore because what happened was that Monica realized that, wait, if I'm undocumented, what's the point of going to college? Yeah. Am I even going to get a job? Am I even going to get paid? Mm -hmm. Um, am I going to be safe if I go to some unknown city, even if it's in California or somewhere else, am I going to be safe? Do I want to be this distant from my family? What happens to my family when I'm away? What if they get deported? Are they in danger? Um, so this, this last piece that I just shared, this starts to come out um, about six months into working with her. Um, Monica is more so on the shielded side um, because she's scared. Mm-hmm. Um, some other context, Trump was, um, quote, elected, but not actually. Um, and so having that be that be the situation, you know, um, as you're trying to figure out what you even do as an undocumented person, that's a lot of terror in your yeah. head, in your heart. Um, and but like all of the the connecting the dots. It it doesn't really happen until later. The only thing that happens at first, second semester, ninth grade, she completely decides that whatever, fuck school. Mm -hmm. So um, she's getting the worst GPA she's ever gotten, which then becomes like this really horrible cycle of like, you fucked up. I don't want to do anything. You fucked up. I don't want to do anything. Um, She still manages to um to finish up ninth grade with passing grades she even got a couple of b's um because the um the last couple of weeks of school she did makeup assignments and things like that um so we have like an overachiever 
who is, is essentially dealing with the um, an existential crisis, mm-hmm. but also actual lack of emotional regulation. So let's talk about BPD and how it shows up. So bipolar disorder. Well, there's four. So we're going to get a report. Sorry. <laughs> you started that like you were in a, like you were starting like a class presentation and it was just so well done. So let's talk about what bipolar disorder is. Yeah. Let's talk about it, guys. So otherwise known as BPD. So basically there's four different kinds and it can. <laughs> Why are you let, me laughing? Just, let me just pull up my DSM five real fast. I don't even have a DSM five. I was actually going to do that, but I realized that I have the DSM four. I'm like, girl, oh. you've been out of grad school in a lo- for a long time. See, no one can trust us anymore. You know what, you guys, we should pay you to listen to our podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so essentially, I just uh, just did like a quick review. But BPD, there can be like four different kinds. Some are more um, uh, not aggressive, but um, intense or serious and others need to be managed in different ways. I, I really don't know what specific type of BPD Monica has, um, but she there is this main feature of a lack of emotional regulation. So if you kind of imagine like steady emotion, you know, like people have like good days, bad days, but you're kind of just like, you're still going in the throes of things, right? Like you're able to get back up. You're able to process as needed. You're able to cry if you need to, but then in a couple of hours or maybe a day or two later, you're back at it. You feel quote normal again, but folks with BPD, they'll go weeks, months at a time at what we call like mania, which is above the, um, it's like threshold. Yeah, but it's like the it's like this idea of like positivity. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I, everything is amazing. And they'll go into like this abnormal uh, um, level of, of um, happiness. Yeah, I, I don't want to say happiness, but it basically is. It's like this idea of happiness. Euphoria. Uh, euphoria. Thank you. Yeah. So it's like. Um, I'm going to buy 14 pianos or I'm going to go on a three month trip and I have made no I have no idea how I'm going to actually pay for this. And I'm going to just put it all on my credit card or I actually don't even have the funds to come back. Like there's just a lot of these like irrational things. Um, and this is but they feel like I'm just happy, like I'm just mm-hmm. having like a grand old time. And that is mania. That's when you're just above the threshold and you're to others you quote you look like you're losing your shit all right mm-hmm. and then we have below the line and I'll, and I'll put a graph up on instagram to show y'all what this looks like but because you, you currently are doing the rolling with the homies dance yeah rolling yeah with the homies. and then there's a line below where is depression mm-hmm. and um most people with um bpd um when they're there right they're there for months at a time too so there's a lot of for Monica, it looked like a lot of withdrawal, mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. I haven't heard from Monica in two months. Like, I wonder how she's doing or um, Monica, like oh, apparently what happened her ninth grade second semester was I'm not going to turn in any assignments. Right. Like that is below that threshold. And she's just going to stay there for several months. Can I interject one small thing? Yeah. Uh, you did a really good job of explaining this because I had a client a couple of years ago who I 
thought had BPD and I was talking to my supervisor at the time because what I, the impression I had of BPD is that it um, changed rapidly, mm-hmm. that you go from really high highs to really low lows quite quickly, mm-hmm. which is not the case. Mm-mm. That's, that is more a sign of a, of just a generalized depression. Um, whereas BPD is these long stretches of time in being in one spot and the other. So I just want to emphasize that because it's something that I wasn't aware of when I first started doing this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people I'm like, I'm so bipolar. Exactly. Like, that's a very common thing to mm-hmm. say. And besides just being inappropriate and not, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be using that in a joking mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. Yeah. It's also scientifically wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, it's, I, that was like literally like next on my, on my thing to say is like to be careful in the ways of like the way that we as, um, as a culture kind of um, devalue the experience of these things by saying like, oh, I'm just OCD like that. Or, um, oh, I'm just feeling so bipolar today. I don't know. Like, I don't know what was going on. Like we want to refrain from comparing ourselves to things like that, just because one, it can really devalue, and but mm-hmm. one, it can also um, perpetuate certain like um, harmful stereotypes for people who are actually struggling with those things. So you want to you want to steer clear of that. But look, dude, if you've been diagnosed, like I have, you know, I, I've I've diagnosed with depression. Fucking run with it. Say whatever the fuck you want to say with it amongst your friends, amongst your safety circle. You are reclaiming it. it. Yeah, because <laughs> it's yours. It's your struggle, and you get to make light of it in order to um to deal with it as yep. you want. But still, I, I just even, like death. Exactly. Exactly. Taking like it back. Last, yeah. In our last episode, we talked about like um, Lindsay's emotional process with death. Um, <laughs> and it is, but it is like yours. It is yours to heal from. Yeah. Um, so definitely encourage you to do that. But but only do that in your safety circles. Like, don't just like allow people in to your like um, vulnerable places. Um, you want to do it with like good friends. You don't want to just like publicize like the depths of your soul. Like your soul isn't for sale. <laughs> you sound like my Catholic school teachers talking about virginity. Oh, gross. <laughs> you don't want to just give it out to people. Virginity is a social construct. <laughs> Fuck the concept of virginity. And this is coming from a Muslim hijabi woman who's been wearing a scarf since she was nine years old. Virginity is a social construct. Uh, <clears throat> all right anyways let's get, back to, <laughs> let's get back to monica all right so so essentially what happens with monica is that she's finding that she cannot regulate her emotions she's down when she's really down for a really long time she's high when she's really high let me tell you what monica's highs looked like though monica's highs were like asra oh my gosh let's talk about college i want to learn everything and then she would ask me like all of these ridiculous questions. I'm like, darling, this is just not relevant right now. We don't need to take a deep dive into this particular piece of college. Mm-hmm. Like what we really need to think about is maybe like the basics, like you're 15, like you're a sophomore, like, let, like, let's stick to this. But she wanted to ask all of the questions. And for me, as somebody also who doesn't even work with the college applying students, I'm like, I don't even know all of the details, you know, like, so this is stressing me out. <laughs> I feel like this is details I should know. Um, so, yeah, so her highs and her lows were um, lows were super withdrawn. I'm not hearing from her. She's not doing her homework. Um, she's living in terror. She doesn't want to be deported. She's afraid. 
for her family, for herself. And that would happen for weeks and months at a time when she's on her highs, she's submitting every homework assignment. Oh my gosh. I, she definitely was, um, uh, on, on a, some version of her high when she registered for her classes because she signed up for three science classes. <laughs> and I said, we need to pause. Three science classes? Let's talk about this. What was your thought process around this? Three science classes? <laughs> like in my brain, I'm like wanting to scream. I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, so yeah, so her highs was like, 110% dedication to her academics, to her future, asking all the questions. That's what her mania looked like from mm-hmm. my perspective. Um, and then what happens is she gets hospitalized. Oh, and a um, sad turn. Yeah. So she gets hospitalized um, the summer of 2020. 5150? Um, no. No, she, um, not, it's not enroll. <laughs> you don't enroll yourself. <laughs> what do you do? You like walk up and you say, hey, I feel like shit. Take Registered? Me. No. <laughs> yeah. What is that word? What's the word? Someone there? is yelling at, um, induce. Nope. That's pregnancy. Nope. She signs up. Yep. She signs up for it. <laughs> yeah. So she goes and uh, she tells, um, I've had a couple of students who've done this, which has, um, makes me so, so proud of them Yeah, because suffering and silence is not an option. Please, please reach out. Um, and so this is what Monica did. She was like, I'm not feeling good. I am not feeling good. I'm not feeling good. And so, um, she was hospitalized for about a week and she came out I think it was more, it was a mixture of, okay, now I have a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So what I'm experiencing, my, my feelings around my diagnosis, one are valid. I have clarity, but the process is not easier. No. So you got to remember that, like, just because now your student has a diagnosis doesn't mean now they're like on the road to recovery. Like on like the steady incline, like, no, like Monica has still had lots of different ups and downs um, and it's been a struggle, but um, the clarity is nice uh-huh. because with the diagnosis like BPD where emotional regulation, varying degrees of control are so hard to come by, the clarity brings a sense of control. When she's in her depressive episodes, she would like internally sink away. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like. She was just sinking away. That was her withdrawal. Um, and her triggers were um, pretty sensitive. Um, and it's, it's just stressful situations can trigger people's BPD. So um, it could be a pregnancy. It could be um, a fam- familial loss. It could be something stressful like school. Another thing that I'm concerned for Monica is college application season. Um, and so these are things that can trigger. It's like regular stressful situations that common folks might experience. But with folks struggling with BPD, it's like, I'm going to feel this 200%, either all the way to the north or all the way to the south. So Monica is just like one of the most ambitious students I've, I've met. She's just so committed to her future. Um, and she wanted so much for herself. 
But sometimes what would happen was that she was not concentrating on her present because she was so focused about the future, which would then stress her out, which would then be a, uh, a trigger. And some of the things that she would ask me in these these triggers and what I've kind of coined as like her existential existentialist fears is like, mm-hmm. what's the point, Asra? Why am I even trying? Like, even if I go to school, which I could be deported when I'm there or my family could be tor- could be deported when I'm not living at home. Mm-hmm. What's the point? Um, so we've talked about different things. We've talked about going to college in Mexico. We've talked about researching that, like, what could that look like? Like, if you feel that this is so debilitating, if this version or this um, this part of your reality is so debilitating that you could not tuck it away, that you could not compartmentalize it for, for a healthy amount of time so you can focus on your, on your academics, what about going to college in Mexico? Is that an option? Is that something you'd want to do? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of undocumented students are not going to want to do that because then they can't come back into the country. Yeah. Um. But with her, because it has come up so much, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? To the point where she's not focusing on her present and not doing the work she needs to do so she can be successful in her future. So what is some stability that I can offer her? Some possibilities, some versions. Because the other reality is you don't have to live in this country. Have you talked to your family about um, looking into... um, asylum status in different countries, things like that. Um, So kind of showing her that there are different pathways out of this. Um, And then of course, um, then I think it was like a couple of months ago um, after Biden was elected, then there was like some good news on the um, undocumented students front. And um, I don't remember the law right now, but essentially something was passed that made her feel a lot more safe. um, Because the Dream Act was reinstated. Was that, was, like was that what it was? I believe okay. so. Okay. And so, so having that be reinstated um, helped with her stability and her existentialist fears. Are you okay? Oh, yes. I was just putting my head down. Oh, okay. I thought like you wanted to say something um, that you had to go pee or something. Okay. So, so that is Monica. Why are you laughing? That's how I tell you that I have to pee is by blinking my... Yeah, because you, you come in and you go like this, you go, I have to go pee. No, I would, <laughs> no. use, I would typically raise my hand. <laughs> That's all tight. Okay. Um, look at my page two of my notes. Um, <laughs> I've already said all of this. Okay. So, so now what? So we've got three different things to think about. Um, looking ahead. And what her support network is going to be. And then we'll talk about um, parent, youth developer, and youth. So looking ahead. So now that um, she's going to be transitioned to someone else's caseload, these are some of the things that I would put on that person's radar, which is these are her triggers. Um, College application season, financial aid will be Mm. a big trigger for her. Um, And how she is balancing the stressors of college applications along with her other um, things that she's got to do, whether that's academics, extracurricular activities and things like that. Um, She will probably experience um, uh, triggers from the idea of high school ending. Yeah. That's a big safety circle for students. Um, So the idea of finals, a trigger for her. Oh, uh, not really. Okay. 
No. Um, but it was because she, she, for the most part, felt in control of things in the present. It was it. always the future that fucked with her present. Mm. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the things that I would tell, you know, the future youth developer to. OK, so got to figure out what her triggers are. And psychoeducation is going to be so important. So to the youth developers, you cannot manage this alone. BPD is really large. um, And especially when you, um, you, if you're in my context, you're seeing her kind of like every now and then there's not a lot of structure to when you see the student in terms of like actual therapy and things like that. Like I don't have that with her. Um, So psychoeducation is one thing that I can help. Like, all right, this is what BPD is. And this is how you can see it coming. Mm-hmm. What um, what do your family, what does your family know about BPD and how can they support you? What should they be looking for? Um, have you thought about that they should look for X, Y, Z? Did she have a outside therapist? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You hadn't mentioned that and I, I assumed as much, mm-hmm. but I think making sure if you are in your context or even like at a, like a school social worker context, like making sure that she has a designated therapist Mm -hmm. for this Mm -hmm. and you are supporting the therapist in the work that they are doing Mm -hmm. um, is going to be really important. Yeah. So that transitions us right next to the parents. So parents, you, when you are singing, because from, from the parental eyes, if you're, if you don't, if you're not really familiar with this work, what you are seeing as a parent is my kid cannot control their emotions. Mm-hmm. You want to be careful though, because teens do have a lot of mood swings, but like it's going on for weeks. It's going on mm-hmm. for months and it's really, really deep. Um, you need to get help. Uh, I'm sorry. It's more than what religion can do. <laughs> this is coming from a religious Muslim. You need more than just <sighs> religious stuff. So get help. Um, look for a therapist that shares demographics with your student. So um, whether it's familiar ethnic background, whether it's the same gender identity, um, look for therapists like that. You can actually, you can go to, there's a couple of ways that you can find therapists. You can go to psychologytoday.com and you can do a good search. Mm-hmm. And you'll see like pictures of their faces and things like that. That'll give you a good idea to a, a good starting place. And then you can also like filter by insurance. Um, and then I want to encourage you to interview the therapist, ask them about their style and what does it mean? Mm-hmm. What does their style mean for a teenager? What's an example? How has this, how has this therapist, um, helped their client work through a crisis before? Um, Do they have experience with a teen with BPD? That's a big oh, one. Like I said at the beginning, yeah. this isn't a common Mm-mm. diagnosis for a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is that, what experience do they have in that situation? Do they have any? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You want to make sure that you are reading that bio real carefully on those therapists. Um, and if you feel like I don't know what to look for, then, then reach out, um, to, to, if you've got someone like me in your student's life, um, mm-hmm. reach out to a counselor from the school, um, but but you can absolutely interview the therapist. You raised your hand. I did raise my hand. Um, you're saying a lot is like the parent read the bio, the parent do the 
interview, make sure that your student is part of that. Um, we've talked about, um, and it might be easier if you like do the initial sweep. Yeah, like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, you want to do like the initial, like here's like seven. I can imagine giving a kid with BPD, especially when they're experiencing one of their manias yeah. or one of their lows is you don't want to give them. But what I've, what I've done before in the in the past is I will search through from my knowledge as an outsider, like I feel like these people might be a good fit for you and then show them. Mm-hmm. Cause like we've also said before is teenagers have a, a really good gut instinct. Mm. And so they might be able to look at a picture and be like, yes, or mm, I, don't, I don't like how that, that picture is. Mm-hmm. And it might not be the best way to choose someone, but it gives them the choice and like, the decision-making process of mm-hmm. I had a weird feeling by that picture, that mm-hmm. picture. So I'm not going to go with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think uh, turning it more into a conversation will be helpful for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And then youth um, just because. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So youth. Just because this idea of bipolar and bipolar symptoms and whatever, bipolar hood, just because it's in the zeitgeist doesn't mean it's normal. Okay. So if you are experiencing the zeitgeist. Yeah. So like the cultural norm. Got it. Um, it doesn't mean it's normal. So just because you hear people say like, oh, I'm feeling like really bipolar today. This is why we discourage people from talking like that, because it treats these things that could be something that's like a red flag. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's normal, which is yeah. what a lot of folks do anyway. Like, oh, teenagers, they just have mood swings. Like, what if we looked at Monica for the last two years? and We're like, oh, it's normal. She's just a teenager. Like, here's a huge diagnosis that is not being diagnosed. And then mm-hmm. treatment, therefore, is missing moving forward. So, um. This is this is like a really, really important thing for youth to understand is that being aware of like what you're experiencing, how long those those um, feelings are lasting, how long those moods are lasting, how long those like those um, sp- those spaces where you feel like I'm stuck in my in my head. I'm just like living in my head. I'm not voicing things. I'm not moving forward. I feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Like if those experiences are lasting for a long period of time, these are red flags. So when we talk about teenager, teenage mood swings, like they are that they are swings, like, and they're, and we, and we differentiated between bipolar, how it goes for long periods of time. Um, typically when we talk about like teenage mood swings, it's like minute to minute. And that is mm-hmm. fairly normal for teenagers. Yeah. So if you're on the outside looking in and you're seeing these swings that last for long periods of time, <clears throat> Um, and there's no like blips in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. That's when you're like, mm, I should probably get this checked out because normal mood swings are 18 different moods in one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like the, uh, the, the get back up, like I was really mad at you like 20 minutes ago, but now yeah. like, can we go get some ice cream? You know, like that, that's like, that's like typical teenager yeah. stuff, um, which as an adult is exhausting. <laughs> I love it's ex- it. It's exhausting, but um, but there are red flags when it's lasting this long. When um, you know, when they're like, this is Monica is somebody who is committed to her future, and she's going months without turning in a homework assignment. That's a huge red flag, and so 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 fortunate to have um, parents who have been so supportive of her 
so loving, so non-judgmental, um, and so willing to do what she needs. And so checking in with your student and seeing what their needs are, um, engaging in with outside support networks as needed, but really, um, uh, the, the great add on that you had is, uh, Lindsay is like turning it into a conversation and, and, um, and seeking help together. And that's Monica. Hey. Does she now have um, ways of managing her bipolar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, um, it's. So the thing about BPD is that it's not just there's no end point. Yeah. It's something that you will manage for the rest of your life. And so she's developing. She's getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there have been times where, you know, it's slow and it's really low and you just have to she's getting there i mean you just mm-hmm. like it's trial and error it's staying committed to your support network it's coping strategies and mm-hmm. creating a plan for when you're feeling really low and when you're feeling really high because mm-hmm. that's the worst is going from and i've had that a lot working in schools where kids are like i don't want to go somewhere else i don't want to have to retell my story i don't mm-hmm. want to have to reintroduce mm-hmm. my trauma i don't want to have to do this that and the other thing mm-hmm. so if you have the ability to provide context to the next provider mm-hmm. with the student's permission, obviously mm-hmm. it's really beneficial. And I think mm-hmm. the same way with, with teachers, like I know some schools do a really good job of getting all the teachers together. So they have like last year's teachers sit with next year's teachers and like, Hey, this is what really worked for Samara. This is what really worked with Jennifer. This is what really worked with James so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Mm-hmm. And it's also very trauma-informed that you don't have to go into something brand new mm-hmm. every year. Yeah, And I think we forget a lot, forget about that a lot as working in a school system where kids are moving from place to place and that can be really unsettling. So being able to share some best practices because they can't really take their like blanket with them from place to place as that security blanket. But like, if I know that one kid really likes getting stickers on their forehead. I may tell their next person like, Hey, they really like putting stickers on their forehead. I think this is a, this is a shout to the, to the professionals listening. Like, I think what happens is when, once we work with a couple of shitty people, like we become really jaded and we Mm -hmm. just want to work in silos um, and we don't trust people with our students. Um, And, um, and that sucks. And I want to validate that right now. Like, although like strengthening the network for your student is like very, very important and, and alleviating the transition and the, and the difficulties of transition is so, so important and doing that as much as you can for every student. I want to validate right now that sometimes you just work with shitty people and, um, and some, no matter how much work you do, it doesn't improve the work that they will provide for that student. And that's That's why you find someone who works with the next grade up. So like when I got rid of my middle schoolers, I could just send them to us in her high in her high school program. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, um, just like and 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 I th- I think that's something that we should talk about at some point. Um, like as two professionals who have dealt with so much toxicity in our workplaces, like an episode like that's like strictly for the professionals. Like, how do you deal? Yeah, with the toxicity. I mean, this is almost an Instagram live actually. Like, how do you deal with it? It's so fucked up. Yeah. It's so fucked up when people are constantly stepping on your toes, when they are um, lighting your shit on fire. You know, it's it's really, really hard. Um, and, and so shout out to those who have fucked up teams. I see you. And then you have some great ones. I had, um, I'm just gonna, I had a student who moved across the country one year and she had told her new 
school about me. She referred to me as her white mom. Um, (laughs) Oh, I know. So she she would get in trouble and she was like, well, call my white mom, call my white mom. (laughs) Um, And so I would get phone calls from this other Oklahoma. I'd get phone calls from Oklahoma. Be like, hey, is this ex-student's white mom? And I'd be like, yes, it is. And they're like, we're having this issue with student X. Mm. Um, And it wasn't calling to be like, hey, can you handle this? It was like, she said that you worked really well with her. Can you give us some ideas of what worked in the past? Mm. Um, And that's just, it it doesn't happen often. And it does not happen often often. because of like the warm feeling it gave me that someone called someone from across the country Mm -hmm. to figure out how best to work with my student. Like that let me kind of untie the apron strings a little bit with that kid. Cause I'm like, I know you're in good hands. Mm. People are on your team there now. And so I don't have to worry a hundred percent of the time that something is going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really nice feeling where you don't feel like you have to hold so tight onto your students because other people are going to be there for them. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a really great add to, to for the youth developers, like, um, psychoeducation yes with your student and their family but also who has the student worked with before who are they currently working with um and what context um could both parties provide to make the yeah. student's life easier yeah how do you get the teen team together the teen team we haven't, we said, haven't said it in a team. while everyone put oh. your rings in how are we going to work with this kid? <laughs> power Back up to power rangers what do they say power up or mighty morphin mighty morphin power rangers <laughs> Something, something. I don't think so. All right. Well, um, let's let's transition right into Prada. Are you ready for that question? Oh, Lord. <laughs> no. Usher, what are you proud of? Got what? you. What's my proud of this week? Um, you know, sometimes I just forget to take my Adderall. <laughs> and then I'm like, working on five different tasks at the same time, wondering why I'm not productive. And so this week, so obviously I've obviously I've been diagnosed with ADHD. I have depression. It's real fun in my brain. Um, so Adderall really helps um, for me to focus and a long term, like I like without Adderall, I don't know how to do a task for an hour. I don't know how to do that. Um, and so um, remembering to take my Adderall this week, <laughs> real proud of myself we're proud of you take your meds friends take your meds take your meds y'all um and the other thing about adderall is that it actually really does help with my depression symptoms too um so it's like a two-in-one for me so i'm happy my anxiety meds help with my adhd symptoms oh that's so great high five (laughs) through the zoom (laughs) yeah so um so happy happy that i remember to take my meds proud of you um, I'm proud of this is like I mentioned earlier, this is, I have three more days of school. Um, but that meant that I got to, I got to, or I had to, um, say a lot of goodbyes to students mm-hmm. this week. Um, and I've talked throughout this podcast that it's been really hard this year, creating strong relationships with my students mm-hmm. because it's over zoom and that's not my strong suit. Um, but I got to have some goodbyes with students that felt really real, um, where I, genuinely really like cared about this student and we had a good relationship and we did some really great work together. Um, and then to have students say that back and to feel that back um, was validating for me. Cause I, I feel like usually in my work, I give 127% constantly. And I felt like this year it was really hard to give 
even close to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel really guilty about that sometimes, but just to see that there were some students that I was able to work really well with and Mm -hmm. make a difference has been really cool. Um, And like we said, we don't get in our job, we don't get a lot of like good job from people. It's kind of a thankless job sometimes. And so it is really nice to have validation in what you do and validation in your own work. Mm -hmm. Um, And since this was my first time since getting my social work degree and I wasn't working as a social worker, but I was working as a clinical mental health professional, it was nice to have that. It was a hard first year, um, but it was nice that to be reminded that I don't suck at my job. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of imposter syndrome that you live with. Mm Mm-hmm. Me yeah. personally? Yeah. Oh. Thanks. You have it. Should this we deep dive awesome. into my imposter syndrome? <laughs> no, I think I think it's um I th- I thought it was something that we've talked about before, but for oh. you like it has been like a am I doing a good enough job? I want mm-hmm. to do a good enough job and sometimes I feel like the reason why and this is this is coming from a workaholic myself, so I understand mm-hmm. this, but like the reason why and I could even say we do like 120% is because we're afraid that um, the perception around 100% is that we're not doing enough. Yeah. Whether it's our own perception or someone else's. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I feel like I have got to be a shell of my former self on a Friday night to feel like I've had a productive week. And that's so toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it is definitely something that that I've heard you share before. Like, I want to make sure that I do all of this correctly for my students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also it plays into my, like my anxiety has a piece of it of like mm-hmm. making sure that it's this fear of not being good enough at something and <laughs> literally mm-hmm. everything I do. Mm-hmm. But I read this interesting thing. It was about imposter syndrome that like imposter syndrome doesn't exist. What exists is a society that tells you that you're not good enough. Mm. Um mm. And it was mm-hmm. like said to women and said to um, people of color, like, it's not imposter syndrome. You were just raised in, in a society that doesn't think that you're good enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, shit. But that's what imposter syndrome is. Like, I mean, do they mean like imposter syndrome is not a diagnosis, right? No, like, it's not an internal. It's not something that you've created inside of yourself. It is something oh, that has been created on the outside, put mm-hmm. inside of you. Yeah, and, and it's telling you that it's that its um, origins are from you when it's yes. not. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And this actually just reminded me of something that I posted, but I only posted this on my um, my secret, not my secret Instagram, my close friends Instagram. So you saw yes. this. But um, it's a tweet by Kendra Morris. Um, and I'll put this screenshot up because this is living in me now. You are not, quote, attracting horrible people or circumstances into your life. There is nothing broken within you asking to be mistreated. None of us were given a script or formula for what love and acceptance is and your learning. That's all. Okay. Because what really fucks with me is like being asked in therapy, like, but what are you putting out there and what are you oh. attracting? And I'm like, fucking nothing, dude. <laughs> like, I think it's a great way to start introspective questioning. Mm-hmm. But 
it really does put so much of the onus on me. But when you look at power dynamics, when you look at patriarchy, when you look at misogyny, when you look at how this all impacts the way that people are socially conditioned and the way that people think that it's okay to treat others, that's a really, really important factor to consider that you are not the problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that we, we never are the problem. There's definitely, I do have toxic traits. I know that I can, I can self-sabotage. I know that, but, um, but knowing the differences between all of the different things that I experience and knowing that the per- percentage wise, it's usually me as a person who knows my worth battling up against patriarchy and misogyny. Mm-hmm. And that's not just in like, like romantic partnerships. This is also in the workplace um, because the workplace will tell you as a woman that you've spoken enough in a meeting, you know, yeah. Um that so, that this man over here just regurgitated the, the stuff that you just said, but he's getting credit for it, you know, um, or that his experiences are more valued because he delivers it a certain way. Well, yeah, because when you when you are the aggressor, you can remove your emotion from something and be very factual about the experience. But when you're the victim, when you've been victimized, it's going to be a little hard for you to separate yourself from emotion mm-hmm. um, when you are telling your manager that you've experienced a difficulty. And then what happens is then you're just labeled emotional. And but what they're basically trying to say is that, no, we're not. We don't believe you. Yeah. So it's a fucked up world out there is what we want to say in this episode. <laughs> get yourself some Adderall, get yourself a therapist <laughs> and hang on. Esther <laughs> is in a different feeling today. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of um, um, a lot of validation. It's validation weekend. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> all right, friends. Well, Alrighty. that is all we have for you this week. Mm-hmm. Um, next week we're talking about ADHD. Yeah, that's right. It's I have I have a, I've planned a week ahead. Look at that shit. A well, week ahead. Usually I plan as I'm talking. <laughs> you come no, up you with like, notes and stuff. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm literally sitting here. Like I'll pick a kid as like as I'm walking to my closet. I was like, what am I gonna say about this kid? But this week I chose like a week and a half in advance. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. This is the first time I've written down everything I wanted to say, because most times I'm like, all right, here's my title. I'll start run with the title because I can we can do that. Right. But it feels so much more cleaner when I literally have my a a script for for lack of a better word. No, I can't do scripts. I mean, like I'm not reading. Obviously, you could tell that I wasn't reading, but I have like my important things that I need to say right now. I didn't do that for school and I don't do that for this. But also, like being a woman of color, like no matter how much I prepare, it's always like, oh, it was fine. That's also how all, things are always received. Like I could have like, I have so many stories about that. Like, oh, like um, I'm literally sitting in a space where it's the output is tangible. You can see it because I have a PowerPoint mm-hmm. and I'm the only one with a PowerPoint. Um, and that I'm and all the other people are supposed to be doing the same shit and nobody did it. And I'm the only one that came through with something that's really thoughtful with actually follow the fucking instructions. You know, mm-hmm. it's tiring. It's fucking tiring. And then, then to be just put on like the same, like, oh, y'all are equal mm-hmm. as. No, we're not. Uh, no, we're not. I'm so much better. <laughs> <laughs> we want all of you to walk into the week just telling yourself that. No, I, I'm so much better. You don't get to tell me my worth. I know exactly yeah. how much I'm worth. Claim it. Claim your worth. Claim it. 
And with that, <laughs> have a great week, everyone. Bye, y'all. Bye.